Philippians chapter 3, Paul the writer is writing this letter to a church that he had started in Philippi over in the Balkan regions of the world, and he was talking about the need to watch out for those that will try to get you into the law of Moses, to try to get you into legalism, to try to get you into your performance instead of a relationship with God. And he basically says, if that's where it's at, then I got it made, because I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, I was a persecutor of the church and had great zeal. If you know the story, God apprehended him, blinded him physically, led to his conversion, became a radical evangelist for the gospel of grace, the good news of knowing Jesus through grace, having a relationship with him that generates a desire to please. Our efforts come after our salvation, not before. And so, after telling about his pedigree, his resume as it were, he says, verse 8, Yet indeed I also count all things loss. We say all things. All that wonderful stuff, I count it loss. For the excellence of the knowledge, or one translation says, for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Not only did he count all the good things as loss, but he went through some tough things, was persecuted. That's a whole other pedigree he has that he could rattle off on the things he had suffered for the Lord. But he counted that as rubbish. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The Greek word there used for rubbish is the word skubalon, which basically refers to stuff that dogs like to eat. It's just not desirable. In order that, I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, it's easy to read verse 11, attaining to the resurrection of the dead, and think maybe he's, he's contradicting himself. But he's counting all of his good performance as rubbish and all the things he suffered as rubbish so that he could not have his own righteousness, which would be from his performance, but righteousness which is through the faith from God, righteousness from God that is by faith. And, of course, we know God's the one that gives us the faith also that he could know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. There's two different words there for resurrection. The power of resurrection is anastasis that he used, and it means to rise up. I want to know him in the power of his rising up. But then the second resurrection here, I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, is ek anastasis. 
Anastasis is rise up. Ek Anastasis is, ek means to out or to be from. Ek Anastasis literally means out rise up. Out rise up. I think what he's saying there is, I'm wanting to live in such a way that the resurrection that was given to me flows out of me to others. And he alludes to something that he's pressing toward, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So we are saved by grace through faith, and that faith is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. We've been made righteous by God through faith. Not of the law, not of works, lest anyone could boast. But we've been saved for a purpose. So the righteousness precedes the living. Christ lived for us, died for us, gave his life for us, arose from the dead for us, and now we have received that blessing. So now we are saved and useful. Saved for a purpose, not saved and useless. It's beyond fire insurance salvation. It's kingdom of God salvation. And so Paul is wanting to do the will of Jesus. He's wanting to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Every single person in this room, the Lord has a call for you. He has a will for you. He has you here for a purpose on the earth, and it's more than to take up space or to Earn yourself a nice package in terms of the American dream's fulfillment. But it's a will that's unique to you, that he's called you to do, and the sooner you and I line up with that, the more fulfilling our lives will be. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Some people pine for the past. They wish they could relive their past because it was so awesome. Or they wish their past had been better. Count it all loss for the excellence of growing in the knowledge of knowing Jesus. Press for the prize of his upward call. That is the heart of what the Christian faith is about. Having received justification by faith and been made righteous in his sight, that there's a prize that we're pressing toward, that he creates a desire in us for, and we're not fulfilled till we push for that. So the past has to go. Verse 15, Therefore, let us... As many as are mature have this mind or think like this or have this attitude, this value system. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. He had absolute confidence that if we don't see life this way, We may say we do, but how we live is really what we believe. There's the things we say we believe, but then there's the things we really believe. That when the going gets going and the tough gets tough, what's real in our lives shows up. 
And here he says, if you don't think like this, God's going to reveal it to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So each of us are at different levels of surrendering to the will of God, and we can have unity. You know, you can disagree and agree to disagree, right? So where the Lord has you, don't put it on everybody else. Understand, everybody's at different levels and that we are to move forward and press toward the prize of God's upward call on our lives and know that if someone is in rebellion against God, he's got their phone number. You pursue what God has for you. Don't do like Peter did when the Lord told him there in John chapter 21, there's a time in your life when you used to do what you wanted, but there's coming a time when you're going to go where you don't want. This spake Jesus concerning the death by which he would glorify Christ. Peter turned and looked at John and said, what about that guy? The Lord said, if it's my will that he never dies, if he's alive when I return, what is that to you? You follow me. We're all called to follow him. And in following him, we assemble together like this. And while we are all at different places and maybe different levels of even rebellion, God's got our number. He can deal with us. I'm not the same man I was 24 years ago when this church began. And I'm not the same man I'm going to be 24 years from now, should the Lord tarry. Not saying I'm going to pastor for another 24 years. Not saying that. All right. Join in following my example. And note those who so walk, verse 17, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, who worship themselves, basically, is what he is saying. Beware of the idolatry of self is what I think he's concluding this particular passage with. And we pray. Lord, I pray for each person here today that as we dive into the scriptures and I share things that I feel you've led me to prepare, if any one of us thinks otherwise or contrary to what your word says, I pray, Lord, you would reveal it to us, just as Paul ended verse 15 here, that you're able to reveal things to us that we're not able to receive from one another. So, Lord, I pray that you go beyond the level of my voice but that your spirit would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We're on a theme for a season of knowing God. We've talked about knowing God personally, knowing God in person, knowing God in prayer, knowing God in Scripture. Last Sunday we talked about knowing God in community. Today we're going to talk about knowing God in hardship. Can we say that? Subtitle could be, What to remember when tough stuff happens. You can actually grow closer to the Lord when you're going through the tough stuff than any other time in your life. If you're going through tough stuff, do not miss the opportunity to pray. Do not miss the opportunity to assemble with other believers. Talk to those you trust. And... Feed your soul. There's some good books out there that are kind of like Christianity Light. But then there's great books. Books that have been around for centuries. That have been feeding people's souls 
for a long time. One of them is Oswald Chambers' book, My Utmost for His Highest. A page for every day of the year. Just one page. And there is so much on that page that it impacts your thinking for the rest of the day. Don't neglect to feed your soul. Hopefully today we'll be feeding our souls if you're going through hardship. Knowing God in hardship. Number one, things to remember about Jesus. Remember Jesus' principles. He came and told us how to live. If Jesus said it, you better take it seriously. Now let me just balance that statement. There are some things he said that were specifically for an individual, like the blind man. He put mud in his eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, if you've got eye trouble, don't throw mud in your eyes in Jesus' name and then buy a ticket for Jerusalem and run around looking for the pool of Siloam. That was the word of Jesus for that person. He did so many different things with individuals uniquely. But when he spoke to crowds, those things you better take to heart. He said this in Matthew 7, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. What is the rock? The sayings of Jesus. Then he said, the foolish man is like someone who built his house on the sand, and the rains came, the winds blew, the floods arose, and beat on that house, and great was the fall of that house. So is everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. Here's an illustration contrasting the two concepts that he's sharing there. So the things he said are important. Maybe you are going through some terrible stuff. And if a few years ago you were going through the same stuff you're going through right now, you would be falling prey to maybe destructive behavior of one sort or the other. But somehow you're holding together. What's going on? You've been building your house on the rock. And the winds are blowing and the rain's falling, the floods are rising, your house is getting beaten, but you're not falling down. Because the principles of Christ have been getting planted in your heart. You've been taking the things Jesus said seriously and look at yourself. You're holding together. Proof of what the scriptures are saying. Number two, remember Jesus' presence. He promised to be with us always in making the covenant with Abraham of which we are grafted in. One of the first things God promised Abraham is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He even said, I will be your reward. Why do you do what you do? A lot of things we do for the reward. You work for a paycheck. You serve for appreciation. But God gives a reward himself as a reward to a man. While he's God, there's no way Abraham could ever pay him back. But it rewards him. And it rewards us. In fact, faith is what gives us the ability to seek God. And without faith, we can't seek him. 
we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What does he reward us with? Well, I know he rewards me with an awareness of his presence. Jesus said in Matthew 18:20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. Can we say there? Can I say here? In the midst of them. That is right in the middle of Matthew 18 where he's talking about becoming as a child, being great. He's talking about looking for lost sheep. He's talking about forgiving people their debts and being forgiven. Right in the middle of that context of reconciliation, he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. This is where my will is being done and I am there. So valuing his principles and his presence, we can come boldly, Hebrews says, to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. For we have a high priest who is easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Have you been betrayed? He knows what that's like. You've been beaten? He knows what that's like. You've been robbed? He knows what that's like. You've been slandered? He knows what that's like. He's able to give you the comfort you need. You receive from his presence. We are not alone. In a few minutes, we're going to look at the Great Commission from Matthew. He ends that commission by saying, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Knowing God in hardship, if you really want to know him, remember Jesus' powers. Now, this isn't dunamis power as in dynamic energy, but this is authority, exousia, authoritative power. In Matthew 28, verse 18, he said to his disciples, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That means there's no other authority. He's got it all. Go, therefore, because I have all authority, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that here next Sunday. So if he has all authority, then I may be suffering, but you know what? My life's not over till he says it's over. I still have a purpose. How does my life line up with the Great Commission? Remember Jesus' priorities. He concludes this version of the Great Commission with verse 20. After baptizing and making disciples and baptizing them, teach them to observe all things. I, not Moses, I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So no matter how it gets, there is no plan B. This is his agenda. This is it. How does our life line up with that? Maybe you're experiencing great disappointment because your priorities are getting all jacked up. Well, have we lined up our priorities with his? In what way are we participating in the command of Christ? Are we really Christians? Good questions to ask ourselves, especially when we're going through hard times because God's got our attention. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. This is everything from being a missionary to going on mission trips to loving your hard-to-love neighbors across the street to sending missionaries to other parts of the world. What are we doing to be part of that?
Remember Jesus' premise. Now, a premise is a basis for something that follows. The premise of the Declaration of Independence is all men are created equal. The premise of our Constitution is the Declaration of Independence. The premise of our nation is the equality of man. Christ's premise is Isaiah 61. In Nazareth, he opens the book of Isaiah and begins to read. And read from Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, recovering of sight to the blind, opening of prisons to those that are bound, the day of vengeance of our God. Sometimes when you have time, dig into Isaiah 61. This is what Jesus was about. This is the premise for his ministry. And read it for two purposes. First of all, read it for yourself. The Lord comes to heal the brokenhearted. Then he wants to heal your broken heart. If the Lord's come to heal brokenhearted, he doesn't just stop with healing your broken heart, but he wants to use me and you and us to heal everyone's broken heart. This is the premise for our ministry. If we're to continue what he began in the earth, this is for us. Remember Jesus' promise. He gave a lot of them, but remember this one especially. In John 16, 33, this is one you don't have to claim. It's going to come to pass anyway. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Why didn't he say will? Well, you have a decision to make. You want to have peace from the Lord? Believe his word. Here's the word. In the world you will have tribulation. You may have peace, but you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So this high priest that we're able to go to with the feelings of our infirmities, who's easily touched with our struggles, he is the world overcomer. And he will help you and I to overcome our struggles. I have never gone to him where he has not helped me. Maybe it's just grace to endure, but sometimes it's a word. A sword, as it were, to speak against discouragement with. One time the sword for me was, Alan, the story's not over. Another time is, don't do a thing. Another time, you better forgive. Well, what if you're going through something you've gone through before? You had the victory over it, now here it is again. Well, according to the Scriptures, we are in a war spiritually. And there is the presence of devils in the world. I don't know if I've ever met the devil, but I've been attacked from time to time with his minions. And the Lord gives a word, gives a means of victory, and I overcome them. Then it could be six months or six years later, here comes the same attack. Oh, it didn't work. No, it did work. This is another attack. So use the same weapon. Who enjoyed their turkey? Who's hungry? Right now. It didn't work. It did work. You just need some more turkey. If you're sick of turkey, make turkey salad. It's awesome. Got to use Miracle Whip. All the mayonnaise lovers go, no. 
little curry powder, little raisins and grapes. Oh, my goodness, that's awesome. I better stop. The Lord, if you run to Him with your problems, with your struggles, He will give you hope. He will give you solidity. This is part of building your house on the rock. This is part of the principle of coming to Him in prayer with all of our needs. Number seven, remember Jesus' presence. Now, I could say gifts, but following alliteration with the letter P and Christmas is upon us. We're in the season of presence. Remember His presence. Talking about the Holy Spirit. After His resurrection, He walks through the wall. While His disciples are meeting together, I think that Sunday evening, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people stop there. Yes, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. And we do. If you're going through hard times, the Holy Spirit will help you. Praying in the Spirit will help you. Receiving visions from the Spirit will help you. The presence of the Holy Spirit is so powerful. He is God with us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what the Holy Spirit brings to us. But he did not stop there. That wasn't the only gift or present that he gave. He also gave this. Promise. This is authority. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Oh, that's awesome. That is great. I have the authority to forgive sins. That's the good news. To tell people their sins are forgiven them. To represent Christ and announce his forgiveness. But you know what? With authority comes responsibility. Does it not? If you give someone the keys to your house, you've authorized them to do something with your house, whether it's to stay there or repair something or look at it or be equipped to go there while you're out of town should you need them to go check on something. But with that authority, authorization comes responsibility. When you come home, they better have them waiting on you. Or they have dropped the ball and you'll have to exercise the authority to forgive. But here's the responsibility. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Oh, man. Here's what he's given us. The gift of forgiveness. Will you give it or not give it? It sure makes hard times a whole lot easier to go through if you let it go, let it go. Number eight, if you want to know God in hardship, remember Jesus' empowerment. This is dunamis power. He promised in Acts 1 verse 7, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, they were talking about the coming of his kingdom. They were talking about his return. Lord, you're fixing to leave. When are you coming back? When's it going to be? He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority. So if somebody tells you they know the season of the Lord's return, they don't, unless they're the Father. The Father has kept it in his own authority. Well, if they know the times, they don't know. The Father has it in his authority. But here's what he wants us to know. Verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me 
in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. For us, in Granbury, in Hood County, in this region, in Texas, Mexico, and the surrounding states, and the rest of the northern American continent, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Power to be witnesses is what it's about. The church had been dead for so long, so many centuries, that when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit began to happen at the turn of this century, the 20th century, tongues were such a phenomenon that it became all about tongues. And some people went to an extreme of forbidding to speak with tongues, and other people went to the other extreme of insisting to speak with tongues. Meanwhile, here's a promise. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me everywhere. So even if you're going through hard times, the Holy Spirit can be received to make you a powerful witness. In fact, the stuff you've gone through gives you great power to be a witness because you are able to comfort others with the comfort with which you are comforted. Coming down the home stretch, to know God in hardship, we need to remember Jesus' pattern. The pattern of his life. Philippians, I think, is a masterpiece. Paul is in prison when he writes it, and he says, Let this mind be in you. This is the mind of Christ, his attitude, his worldview, his value system. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. What did this mean? He was God. To be equal with the Father wasn't something to fight for or strive for or hold on to or something was wrong. He was God. But he made himself of no reputation. Even though he was God, he made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant. You see the stair steps down from his glorious position. And coming in the likeness of men being found in appearance as a man, and we shared a couple of weeks ago, not a good-looking man. He was the kind of guy, if he came in the room, you'd want to not look at him. It's what Isaiah 53 begins with before the crucifixion happens in that chapter. He humbled himself. You mean he didn't look like Sean Connery? <laughs> no, he did not. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, going through torture to get there, even the death of the cross. This is the pattern Jesus established, to humble yourself. When I'm going through the roughest time, it's the easiest to humble myself. I just line up with reality. No point in being prideful when your whole world's falling apart, or it looks like it. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Lord exalts the humble, but resists the proud. Sometimes the resistance in our lives is not the devil, it's God. And finally, to know God in hardship, we must remember Jesus' suffering. Remember his passion. We read this earlier, Philippians 3, verse 8, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Romans 8.28, is my favorite verse, says, We know that all things work for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Verse 29 says, though, For whom he foreknew, these he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And we all like to think, yes, the resurrected Jesus. Yes, we're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We are all going to be like him. But we're being made like him now. He (laughs) walked the Via Della Rosa for us and told us that we too must take up our cross. Our self must die. It's a different kind of cross, but the principle is there. Life, the way Alan Ladda wants it, is over. It's over. It's the way you want it. Lord, we just come to you right now. Help your word to come alive to us. To embrace the cross that is in our life. And to receive what you have for us from this word today. Help those of us, Lord, who are not walking through hard times to be an encouragement. With depth, not shallowness, but truly empathizing. Mourning with those who mourn. Weeping with those who weep, Lord. To be a source of strength and comfort to those that need it. So many do. Lord, those of us that are full of joy, make us a team to encourage others. But those of us, Lord, that are going through hard times, help us, Lord, to hold on to you. To to continue to live by your principles. To continue to trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you that as we're being conformed to your death, we're going to be made like your glorious resurrection, as the passage goes on to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to know you in the fellowship of your sufferings and the power of your resurrection. Amen. Knowing God in hardship, what to remember when tough stuff happens. What to remember when good stuff happens. What to remember when nothing happens or everything happens or all your dreams come true or all of them come to an end. What should you remember? The Lord instituted a meal prior to His death and said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of Me. I would like to conclude the service by us partaking of what's called the Lord's Supper. If you've never done this, let me just explain it to you, and you can do it with us. The first time the Lord instituted this with his disciples, they were not believers. Peter wasn't converted. Judas was going to betray him. He participated in it. So I believe communion is for everyone to participate in so that the Lord can reveal to them the personal relationship He wants to have with them. As real as food, the Lord wants to be that real in your life. His body was broken for us on the cross. He died on a cross for the sins of the world. And He was not 
guilty of anything other than the charge of blasphemy. But he wasn't blaspheming. He was God. They killed him. His body was broken so that ours could be healed. He became separated from his father, if but for an instant, at that moment. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He became separated so that we could be united. He paid our fine. He took our debt. He took our place. He became us. Like a lawyer represents you and I in our case, He represents us in the case for justice and also became our defendant. He took our rap. Through His brokenness, our relationships can be healed between one another and between us and God. And because He was broken, His blood was shed to pay for all the sins of the world. God chose to do it this way. To create a visible representation of the forgiveness of sins to show us just how important it is to receive the benefits of Christ and have our sins washed away by His blood. Our life is in our blood. His life was given for us and we receive His life by faith just like you receive the fruit of the vine in the cup. So in a moment we're going to eat the bread in memory of His broken body. And we're going to drink the cup in memory of shed blood. Take the bread out and hold it up. I want to lead you in a prayer. Jesus, I remember you. Jesus, I remember you. I remember your broken body. I remember your broken body. I believe your body was broken for me. heal me to heal my relationships to make me whole and righteous I remember you alright not because you're worthy but because he is so generous and save ourselves celebrate his broken body for you hold your cup up say Jesus I remember you Jesus I remember you we do this in remembrance of you do this in remembrance of you thank you for your blood that made a covenant with you for us. Thank you that your blood washes away our sin. Thank you for saving us. We call on your name and say by the power of your blood forgive me of all my sins. And now by faith we celebrate and remember Drinking from this cup. All right, by faith, just like drinking water or wine or grape juice, drink from the cup and receive God's love for you.
this room today are some people who are hurting, people who are struggling, people who need prayer. When someone shares their prayer need with you, it doesn't mean you have to do something about it. They're just asking you to pray with them. You don't have to give them your opinion. You just pray with them. I want this to be a safe place for anyone to come with their prayer needs. And then if they ask you for input, let's by all means share from a position of humility. And if you know someone here that may have more wisdom, by all means get those two connected. Amen? So let's just stand right now and form circles of three or four, no more than five if you can. And just introduce yourselves to one another and say, hey, can I pray with you about anything? Can you do that? Thank you.